good day everyone and welcome to another episode of Left After Breakfast broadcast from 3CR your only radio left Susanna here with you and I'll be joined by other members of my Left After Breakfast team as the program continues your favorites for a start so welcome to regular listeners and indeed to anyone who has just tuned in. Good on you. Well, listener, you all know the news. You've all seen it. It's come to light that former Prime Minister, failed Prime Minister Scott, self-appointed himself Joint Minister across several portfolios in secret, literally in the shadows. And he gave himself powers to make captain calls on the health, finance and resource portfolios without anyone in the public knowing. A shameless power grab and one with new details being revealed at unprecedented velocity. No one has the right to bypass regulatory processes and for a prime minister to do so is a massive slap in the face to our democracy. And it casts huge doubts over the integrity of public money being spent from these portfolios. Both sides of politics are absolutely rattled by this, this secret power grab, and members of his own former government are blindsided and condemning it. Some of them are very, very angry, and I don't blame them. Morrison claims that he saw it as... An elegant solution to the problem they were trying to solve. Safeguarding against any one minister having absolute power during the pandemic. Right. So to safeguard against any one minister having absolute power, he gave himself absolute power. I don't know, would you call that a Stalin solution? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Any decision made during Morrison's secret power grab must be reviewed. But the real question that needs to be answered here is not why Scott was sworn into these ministerial jobs without the relevant ministers becoming aware. The real question is why the Governor-General swore him in secret and why the Australian public was kept in the complete dark. Well, may we say, God save the Queen, for nothing will save the Governor-General. The Governor-General has his itinerary published as the matter of record every day. It's a public record for every Australian to see, but this wasn't the case. And it was all done in private, in secrecy, between the Governor-General and Scott as the PM. Because of the failure of the Governor-General to keep these important matters, such important matters, in the public domain, then he should resign immediately. And I mean immediately. And we question again, dear listener, why do we have a Governor-General anyway? Of course, I'm biased and bitter, cynical and twisted, because of the Governor-General we had, that cur, back in 75. But if we have to suffer a Governor-General, then it should be a constitutional lawyer, 
not some old superannuated military bloke. This may be the tipping point, listener. This may be our chance to finally rid ourselves of the yoke of the English crown. Look at it seriously. When the old queen finally carks it, I'm sorry, when the queen finally passes away, who among us is going to accept Charlie as our monarch? You may recall that Charlie was once considered to be the Governor-General here of Australia, but it was pretty well laughed out of the room. And that was because the Queen herself thought that the post of Governor-General had suffered so badly after that cur that it wouldn't be good for Charlie to take over the role because he would be tainted with it. Well, we'll see what happens. But I have hope. I have hope of seeing the last of the British royal family off my neck. Some of the things that Scott says always make me smile when I'm not screaming and throwing cups of coffee at the wall. He said he kept his self-appointment secret because it would have been misunderstood by the public and would cause unnecessary angst. Well, yes, surely that was a clue. Ah, oh, well, I guess not, not for him. And his other wonderful little quote this week was, Since leaving the job, I haven't engaged in day-to-day politics. Sorry, what? You haven't engaged in any day-to-day politics, and you didn't leave, you were beaten at an election, then you quit as leader to avoid being rolled, and you have a highly paid day-to-day job as a member for Cook on a base salary of 217000 a year, for heaven's sake. Oh, just go, you big sap. And I have to stop here for just a moment to listen to some Roaring Jack, featuring, of course, Alistair Hewlett. I still miss Alistair. Remember this time, listener, remember this. I remember the day I was no more than a boy Working in an oxide plant at the back of Norfolk's ride Bert Gilchrist told the gaffer Cos Bert Gilchrist had the clout He said they'd given got the bullet And the lads are walking out And we walked right off that job While the gaffer held the door and watched it on the telly in a TV rental store. It was one hell of a situation, the kind you just can't gauge. There was golf on the steps of Parliament House, staying down, maintain the range. In the year of the double dissolution, drinking in the streets gave way to doubt. Australia voted in the revolution. Then stood back and let the fat cats push it out There was violence in the air As I walked back home at night 
everyone Yet mate was getting ready for the fight Saying if they're out for trouble Then trouble's what they'll get We started out a colony Do they think we're a colony yet? In the year of the double dissolution Drinking in the streets gave way to doubt Australia voted in the revolution Then stood back and let the bad cats push us out But as the weeks went by, the anger turned to mild relief. Locks were freed like magic, and I watched in disbelief. To see a scam so blatant, so jacked up and full of holes. And the people in the thousands, and dashed it at the balls. And the year of that double dissolution. Drinking in the streets gave way to doubt. Australia voted in a revolution Then stood back and let the bad cops push it out They had it coming somewhere closer to the mark Who spoke about conspiracy, sinister and dark But history records it and the story will be read Who we let them take democracy and stand it on its head In the year of the double dissolution Drinking in the streets gave way to doubt Australia voted in a revolution Then stood back and let the fat cats push it out Australia voted in a revolution Then stood back and let the fat cats push it out I know I'm still going on about this, listener, but it's such a frightening thing. Dutton's quote early this week I'm pretty sure that Angela Albanese doesn't discuss with the whole backbench and the ministry and the caucus who it is that he has appointed to different portfolios well actually Dutton he does and he has the Labour Party unlike your party isn't a secret society and looking at secret societies listener I have a big concern here. Did Morrison and Dutton plan a coup? No, I'm not exaggerating. No, no. No, I'm not getting too paranoid. Did Morrison and Dutton actually plan a coup? You've got to look at these current revelations about all this secrecy about appointing himself minister for nearly everything. And you've got to have a look at that in the light of the creeping authoritarianism of the former government under Morrison. Were they planning a coup? Now, Dutton was the Minister of Defence as well as Home Affairs, and he and Scott had the essential mechanisms of repression in their own hands, concentrated in their hands. 
And it's also significant to note that Dutton had numerous meetings with soldiers here in Australia and in Afghanistan. He was consciously cultivating them and excluding officers from being present. It's going to be fascinating and probably frighteningly fascinating to see these revelations unravel. And let's hope that we, as the public, the voters, the taxpayers, let's hope we get the truth behind the intentions of these manoeuvres. Why would I believe such a thing? Look, believing is easy with these far-right clones. It's easy to believe that Trump took home top secrets. It's easy to believe that Boris didn't know a secret party was a party. And it's easy to believe that Morrison secretly took on everyone else's jobs and embroiled the Governor-General in his secret scheme. I find it easy to believe that they could have been planning a coup. Their contempt for rules, protocols, the law, the people is just disgustingly obvious and believable. You're listening to 3CR 855 AM on digital and on the internet, www.3cr.org.au. Last week, state and federal education ministers met in Canberra to discuss the teacher shortage, the very, very real teacher shortage. The teacher shortage is actually a teacher crisis. Not only do we need more people to take up teaching as a career, experienced teachers are leaving the profession. Numerous solutions were offered by experts and advocates, including a teaching apprenticeship and fast-tracking students or mid-career professionals in other fields into the classrooms. These are well-intended, but such ideas address the symptoms rather than the cause the complexity of the cause. We need a coherent and comprehensive plan to address the real problem. Teaching is not treated like a profession. This idea of a teaching apprenticeship, for example, this would see students get to do more time in schools with a job at the end of it. Fine, good, and it's important, very important for students to have practical experience. But calling it an apprenticeship implies teaching is simply a trade to be learned on the job rather than a complex profession that requires university studies. And this also assumes that schools and teachers under pressure will be able to provide the support an increased number of apprentice teachers would need. Seems pretty unrealistic. Teachers need to be able to plan lessons and units to secure good resources for those lessons to engage their students, engage with students who need additional support, assess what they've learned, manage behaviour and look after young people's well-being, amongst other skills. For example, you wouldn't assume a high school legal studies teacher would be able to become a lawyer without undertaking the appropriate tertiary studies. So how can you imagine a lawyer can shortcut the education required to become a legal studies teacher? This strategy implies content knowledge rather than knowledge of how to teach and how best to teach particular students. And that really is the core business of teaching. And it also feeds that unhelpful myth that anyone can teach. That's not true. 
anyone can't teach. Teaching must be treated as a profession. Other professions, such as medicine or engineering, they value expertise, reward the development of new knowledge, and reward the contribution of those who lead others. In teaching, there's been so much focus on the initial preparation before they're registered and teach independently that we don't have a whole-of-career approach. Teachers already in the classroom are often reluctant to take on student teachers because it means they have more work and little recompense for it. Mentoring is critical to support teachers and keep them in the profession, so let's make it a desirable thing to mentor. If you mentor and do it well, this should be recognised through career progression and remuneration. Teachers are important, listener. Well, of course they are, you know that. But this treating teaching as a trade is wrong. It is a profession. And if people aren't taught, how can they even think? Look at those people marching up and down the streets. Uh, these QAnon followers. These mindless morons. They were never taught. They don't understand critical thinking. They can't think for themselves. We need good teachers, listener. And we need more of them. Otherwise, we'll be swamped by these unthinking morons and we'll end up in the same way that USA is. And that's a damn frightening thought. This song is for those who inspire us today Who always lend a helping hand to help show us the way This song is for those who see their students through The tough times in their lives For that we say thank you You have made a difference You have shaped our minds you have changed the world, one child at a time You have always been there, in everything you do I hope that you're as proud of me as I am proud of you This song is for those, who heard the silent cries Who stepped in to wipe the tears from the children's eyes for those who gave us a safe place to grow A place for us to call our home forever we will know that You have made a difference You have shaped our minds You have changed the world One child at a time You have always been there In everything you do you're as proud of me as I am proud of you This song is for those who taught us right from wrong Who taught us much more than their craft to help our minds grow strong This song is for those who guide us through and through So that we can make a life for that we say thank you made a difference You have shaped our minds You have changed the world One child at a time
life into the path within my reach. I hope I can change a life of those that I teach. I can make a difference. All I do is try, try to see a different world through the children's eyes. And I will always be there in everything I do. I hope that you're as proud of Everything I do, I hope that you're as proud of me as I am proud of you. I'm going to repeat a very important contribution from the BL from the Bush about the anti-protest legislation. And this is important, listener, because after we saw those, well, scum blockading the children's hospital, we have to think very clearly about this anti-protest legislation. It's not going to fix anything. It will take us backwards. 3CR Yeah, g'day comrade, uh, listener, be off from the bush calling in. Open are all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Keeping yourselves nice and warm. It's a uh, uh, bit of a problem I think we're going to be facing shortly. Um, there's some uh, talk about and there's some legislation trying to get put through different parliaments and what have you about um, demonstrations. Now, I can tell you that most of my working life I'd have been involved in a lot, quite a lot of uh, protests for whatever reason and I'd reckon that uh, Susanna and the bag man have also seen their fair share of them and you out there, the listener, I reckon, have uh, have been involved in them as well. Well, I don't know where this all this is coming from but um, uh, in, in Tasmania... Uh, in the last week or so, their, uh, their Liberal government over there, by the way, too, listener, um, they've been trying to put through these uh, um, anti-protest legislation over there to start slowing people up and fining them. And um, it's, uh, it's, it's to do with... The, it's called the Police Offences Amendment under the work, Workplace Protection Bill, Bill 2022. Now, if they get this passed, um, what it sort of means is that um, you you'll be if 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 they deem that you're in some way obstructed or any any employees in the workplace or from doing their work or anything, they'll uh, they'll, they'll come down on you, they'll uh, they'll slay you or they'll uh, they'll fine you, but. The the thing the thing in Tasmania is uh, listener is that well, WorkSafe, which is the controlling body over there for for complaints um, and safety, is that they haven't received a single protest related safety complaint at a work site in the past eight years. That's all work sites. That's you know that's logging. That's that's uh, that's you know it could be half a dozen 
uh, chillers walking down the, down the street, blowing about prices in the supermarket or something, or or to get to get access to uh, community health or anything like that. There's been none of that, but still, they're uh, they're powering on down there in uh, uh, in a country down there in Tassie to um, get this this legislation up. So, and it's a trend. Uh, listener, and it's a, and it's annoying, and, and it's it's something to be very wary of, and it's alarming. It's a very alarming trend. Um, it's it just going to take away our rights to uh, to protest, which, as I said before, is, is most of my work and life I've been involved in, and uh, I'm sure that all you out there have too. Um, you know, like you, you look at you look at Tasmania now. Just on just on that, like Bob Brown and 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 the the efforts they went through to the, the Franklin Dam and and to 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 keep Tasmania as a beautiful place as it is. All that was done through just just hard work, protests, and getting the community and everyone involved in that. And it worked. And look at the place; it's just absolute. It's it's an absolute uh, dream over there. So. All this stuff, you know, uh, it, it's it, these governments and whatever. It, it just they're just breaking their backs to take away our rights. You got these other clowns here, these anti-vaxxers, everyone that reckons that their rights were getting taken away. They would they would know their right from their left, but our right to protest and as I said, we've done this over the years is is a very serious thing. Three C And a bit of music for the BL from the bush. Not the one I normally play for him, but very close.
is unfair But we will always be right in there Fighting for better pay and conditions It's always been our tradition Where the CFMEU And our members who won't be screwed Yeah, we're proud and strong Good morning, Bagman, and how are you this morning? I'm very good this morning, Susan. Uh, no fit as a Mally Bull or whatever. I'm just as fit as a builder's labourer. That's fit. That is fit, Susan. Um, most uh, builder's labourers that we know have broken bodies because of the type of work that they used to do under the most extreme conditions. I have to do this program on a Wednesday afternoon because... I can't go into the studio because of COVID-19, but you can broadcast live on Friday mornings. So, disclaimer, so that we won't be able to keep up with the latest news, or I won't be anyway. A good comrade of mine passed away uh, last week, a bloke called Ted Murphy, one of the greatest, one of the smartest brains in the trade union movement. Ted Murphy was with the National Tertiary Education Union. So that's going to be a sad loss to the union movement. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Look, because it's a Wednesday, I've just had to sit through an explanation to Scott Morrison for about an hour. This bloke has got to be the greatest bullshit artist that we've ever seen. A carpetbagger would be the best description of this bloke, but I'll have something to say about him afterwards because I want to get into something a bit more personal, something that almost made me throw up last week. Now, yes, almost, almost made me throw up, Susan. You remember last week we we spoke about Alan Jones, who has a radio program called Info Wars. Now, Jones has been sued by the parents of school children who were murdered, who were shot down in cold blood. And Alex Jones said that those young children, brutally murdered, were actually actors and their parents were actors. Now, that's right, dead school children played by actors. Now, I thought that the bottom of the barrel could never be scraped anymore. Just when you thought the gene pool of humanity couldn't be violated anymore, 
the anti-vaxxers and the QAnon crackpots came out to picket the Royal Children's Hospital last week. All there is to say is that the barrel of human decency has been thoroughly scraped clean by these mongrels protesting and stopping sick children and parents from seeking urgent medical treatment. These people, these people deserve condemnation for their more than vile and despicable action in stopping our frontline troops delivering sick children to the hospital by ambulance. I'm going to use a bit of uh, literary license here, Susan. So let me quote from Jack London here, and it's appropriate. After God had finished the rattlesnake, the toad and the vampire, he had some awful substance left in which he made the anti-vaxxer and the QAnon crackpot. The anti-vaxxer and the QAnon crackpot is a two-legged animal with a corkscrew soul and a waterlogged brain and a combination backbone made of jelly and glue. Where others have hearts, the anti-vaxxers and QAnon crackpots carry a tumour of rotten principle. It's a fact. When an anti-vaxxer or QAnon crackpot come down the street, decent people turn their backs. The angels weep in heaven and the devil shuts the gates to keep them out. No anti-vaxxer or QAnon crackpot has the right to pick at the hospital treating sick children. As long as there is a pool of water deep enough to drown their body in or a rope long enough to hang his or her carcass with. The most evil people on this earth are tame compared with the anti-vaxxer and the QAnon crackpot willing to harm the most vulnerable, that, that is our children, for a despicable and illogical and shameful cause. The modern anti-vaxxer and QAnon crackpot is willing to sell their soul, their country and their children for a cause that most fair-thinking people is the lunatic Pentecostal right that is America. Jack London would approve. I'm sure he would, Susan. I had to use that literary license to say, well, I could not believe what I seen that last Sunday with anti-vaxxers picketing children and their parents going into hospital to get treatment. They even tried to stop an ambulance with a sick child in it. There's some people that say they are lower than shark. Can I say it? Yes, say it. Yes, say it. Shark shit. They're lower than a basic wage. A despicable, greedy and ill-informed, ignorant people. The worst act I've ever seen in my 70-odd years of life on this earth that really scraped the bottom of the barrel. And if it was a, a unionist picketing a children's hospital, 
Yeah, rest assured the coppers would come in and give them a bit of biffo, uh, but not these uh, illogical, greedy bastards. <sighs> They're the same people. I saw their pictures on the news. Mm-hmm. They're the same ones who stopped me in the city oh, again on right. the Saturday before and before that on another Saturday when I attempted to pull the Eureka flag away from one of them. Well, you obviously placed your life in danger because these people are irrational and they are prone to violence. What right they have to picket a children's hospital uh, is lost on me. Well, I think it's lost on everyone, Bagman. Well, every right-thinking person would have been disgusted and even doctors have said that there should be, and politicians have said that there should be an exclusion zone around public hospitals, but more importantly, the children's hospital. Oh, my God, yes. Did they have some kind of a death wish? If they do, I hope they have their wish come true. I'm a great fan of the children's hospital. Not only have my children... Uh, my grown-up children being uh, hospitalised and treated there, but the first time I ever seen Queen Elizabeth II when she came to open the children's hospital back in 1954. I was up a tree, over and above the Queen, because I only lived across the road in North Melbourne. So I went along to the opening of the children's hospital and waved the flag Queen Elizabeth. Well, I was giving her a bouquet of flowers at the time. I heard that last week and I did comment on it. Well, as I said last week, I hope you went to confession because you you are a recovering Catholic. You've done the 12 steps. A bunch of flowers for the Queen. Anyway, bad man, anyway, Mm. these, look, I can't think of a word for them. No. I, I can't really call them people. But or seriously, animals. oh, no. No. But seriously, they must have a death wish to block entrance to the children's hospital. You know, other people, it's a wonder they weren't killed for it. As I said, Susan, the anti-vaxxers who are influenced by QAnon, the American Pentecostal right, people that run uh, America at the moment, and they have no feelings, they have no logical way of thinking, totally brainwashed, and most of them believe that both you and me and people in authority are actually lizard people. So under that skin of the local copper lurks a lizard person. Oh, can I be? (laughs) Can I pick my own lizard? (laughs) How, how can you argue with that sort of thing? If you try to argue with these idiots, you just bring yourself down to their level. Well, well, I want to be a Komodo dragon. And next time I see someone with the Eureka flag, one of these oh. morons, I will shed my human skin <laughs> and, and unleash my Komodo dragon on him. Good on you. I hope that I never see one of these protesters because I will be going home in the back 
of a divvy van after I'm arrested for assaulting one of these low-life animals. I won't be able to control myself. It's very hard, Bagavan. It's very mm. hard. And we have to be really careful right here. Now, the BL from the bush has been warning us for some oh. time yeah. about the anti-protest legislation going on. This yeah. is a good reason for all people sitting in government to say, look, you see, we can't have these protests. Look what they do. They blockaded the children's hospital, didn't mm. let ambulances through. People say, oh, yeah, 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 no good. Well, yeah, we have to stop it. We've got to stop these protests. And that could well, easily happen. Well, actually, Trades Hall, uh, Luke Halakari, the Secretary of Trades Hall, is opposed to that legislation because right people for the right causes have the right to protest. They don't have the right to violently protest, but they have the right to take over the street to put their point of view. This should not be the reason for politicians to say that's the reason why we shouldn't have protests. We all have the right to protest. Even the most the most pathetic morons among us have the right to protest. But then again, we have the right to stop them protesting if we want, not the police. Yeah, and the point is, Susan, that these people go beyond the pathetic morons. These people scrape the barrel of humanity. And I hope they're listening and I hope they're taking it in. Now, I should imagine that most people listening to your program wouldn't be those people that pick us at the children's hospital, but you never know. Oh, bag man, I wish I were younger. I wish I were young again. <sighs> remember remember when we chased the Nazis out of Brunswick? Oh, do I ever. Oh, I loved that. That was a... A great day. They were pelted with eggs and then we chased them up to the Morn station where they had to have a police escort to get on the train. You talk about wimps and cowards, that's the right wing. And these organisers, uh, these people that are organising the picket, are influenced by those people. I've just had an idea. Yeah. I've been spending uh, Saturdays in the city doing things. I go to Queen Vic Market and do one of my streaming tours, but then I have to come home on the tram that's in Burke Street. And, of course, I can't because the bloody morons are there stopping the traffic. But next time I'm going to carry some eggs with me. I'm going back a long way, but I remember uh, the raid on the BLF office back in the 80s and me and a comrade confessing my sins here, um, after battling the police to stop them from raiding the BLF office, we went and brought two dozen eggs and went up on the roof of the Trades Hall Council and attempted to pelt the coppers with the eggs. But I think we got a couple of people on the... Uh, a couple of people who were waiting for the bus. Pelted with <laughs> eggs once. Remember when I was pelted with eggs once? Uh, give me a guess. Uh, Richmond Paul- Secondary College. No, it was Pauline no. Hanson. Oh, yes. I was there at night. And I don't know what it was, but someone was throwing eggs at Pauline Hanson. One of them hit me by mistake. And they were right. thought, oh, she must be one. So they all turned on me. That's <laughs> right. At the Dandenong Town Hall. 
Remember the bloke that came in supporting Pauline Hanson and he had a tattoo of a swastika on his bald head. Now that says a lot about the supporters of Pauline Hanson. It gives you an idea of their, of their thinking. Oh, you mean the one that claimed you couldn't get a job he was being discriminated against? That's right. <laughs> a bald head with a, a large sign on top of his bald head. Anyway, just to move on to something else, the Australian public was never aware of the collusion between the former Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, and the Governor-General, David Hurley, to become a third chamber of government in a sordid and secret deal kept from the Australian public. Now, you know, Westminster system of democracy has never been under such threat by the undemocratic actions of these two men. I think it's time for Scott Morrison to gently fade away. And I think it's time for the Governor-General David Hurley to go quietly and go quickly. Well, may you say, God save the Queen, that nothing will save the Governor-General. We've heard all about the voices from the heart and the politicians, the right-wing nutjob politicians who are opposed to First Nations people getting a voice in Parliament. Uh, They said it would become the third chamber of Parliament. Well, we've just seen it demonstrated that Scott Morrison and Governor-General David Hurley were the third Chamber of Parliament. Why is Scott still sitting in his job? It's 217000 a year. He's still looking for another job. Well, he took the role of five ministers, only told one of them, didn't tell the other four, which says a lot about their level of intelligence. But what I want to ask, and it hasn't been asked yet, when he went to Hawaii uh, in the middle of the bushfires, in the middle of the pandemic, he would have had a deputy. Now, I'm not too sure whether it was Michael McCormick or it was Barnaby Joyce who took over the role of acting prime minister. When that one of them took over the role of acting prime minister, did they also take over the role of the five ministers that Scott Morrison had sworn himself into? You'd have to ask Barnaby the beetroot of that. Oh, well, Barnaby wouldn't remember. Uh, Barnaby lives in the fog of uh, the fog of foam. Well, no, a I, I fog of foam was a nice way of saying poor old Barnaby the beetrooter likes a glass of lunatic soup every now and then. Hey, I know why Grace Payne was so upset about the Prime Minister at that time, ex-Prime Minister, failed Prime Minister at that time, because when she met him, she gave him the evil eye because she knew that he was lobbying to take over her job as the Australian of the Year in 2022. She knew. Now, look, I've spoken about this before, Susan, 
and told me if I'm getting boring. About four times a day, I've seen an advertisement on commercial television. The advert went, do you have a runny nose, a sore throat, the sniffles and a headache? Then they go on to say, then you need Nurofen available from your local chemist. No, you don't. You don't need Nurofen. What you need is to get to the nearest COVID testing station and find out if you're carrying the deadly virus. Nurofen is about as effective as dipping your left eye in cocky shit or rubbing tomato soup into your scalp to prevent male pattern baldness or the equivalent of Chinese Viagra to get men a stiffy. Oh, bad man. Oh, well, I was a bit, being a bit crude there, Susan, but you can cut out the particular bits. I'd just like you to remember that I was educated in a convent. I'm not a convent oh. to this sort of talk. <laughs> oh, I was a builder's labourer, so well, I'm not uh, I'm not a to that sort of language either, Susan. I would like to know, actually, Bagman, why yeah. they are allowed, why these advertisements are allowed on television. Oh, well, silly question. Money, money. It's all money. And normally these adverts are spruced by some clapped-out footballer's wife or some Olympic swimmer who forgot to do the tumble turn. And they're all of a sudden the epitome of medical science. What you <laughs> need, they will tell you what you need. And you go and buy it from the chemist warehouse. I think I once bought a singlet because Peter McKenna told me to. Oh, Peter McKenna. Uh, I, I had a perfect joke, Susan, for you, but I don't know. Uh, I don't know whether I've got time uh, to tell it to you. It's only a fairly small joke, and I'll uh, I'll try and find it in the uh, in the next uh, minute or so. I wanted to say, Bagman, look, oh, it's very sad news about Ted Murphy after all that yeah, time he yes. spent. All that time he spent with fighting the good fight in his union, but I see that mm. I see that a friend of yours has also left us this week. I haven't got too many friends, uh, Susan. No, they the, say that all, they say that all my friends are fitting the sidecar of a motorbike. Well, they're getting to that, I think, Bergman. I shouldn't be so cruel. It's not really a friend of yours. Someone of whom you were a fan. Well, when I say fan, I use the term very loosely. Lillian Frank. Oh my God! What a what a crying shame. Now, yes, how a, sad. <laughs> yeah, how sad. What a what a loss to humanity. Lillian Frank was a person who had money. Who used to extract money off other people and give it to charity. Now I have no time for Lillian Frank and. As far as I'm concerned, the champagne corks will be popping tonight. When you say she gave money to charity, she used to hold these big charity dinners for a couple of thousand a head, and then she'd put the proceeds to some sort of charity. She never made anything more, never anything more than $100. That's right. And she never put in there, as the BL from the bush would say, she never hit her own kick. Either. Never. Yeah. In a recent survey carried out by a leading 
Toiletry Fragrance Company, 95% of Kanga's supporters admitted having sex in the shower. The other 5% said that they hadn't been to jail yet. On that note, let's go out in the same old way. I'm not laughing, bad man. <laughs> I'm splitting my sides and I've still got a broken rib from a long time ago. Anyway, let's go out in the same old way, Susan. Have you calmed down enough to go out in the same old yep. way? Yep, yep, yep. Go so let's the... go out in the same old way. Yeah, why not? Dare to struggle. And dare to win. If you don't fight, you lose. Morning from left after breakfast. 3CR. Okay, everyone, that's it for this episode. Thanks for your company. Thanks for the ride. See you next week. Same time, same place. Until then, cheerio and ciao from Left After Breakfast. Thank you.